Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in, Hawks fans. It's your boy, Bryce Lewis, back at it again for another Believe in Hawks podcast episode. Episode three. Like I said, it's your boy, Bryce Lewis, back again to talk about all things Atlanta Hawks, but also things happening around the NBA. As today's show, we are going to lead with the blockbuster trade news of Damian Lillard going to Milwaukee and how does that affect the Hawks in the Eastern Conference. And then also, we're going to talk about the young players, the young guns, Jalen Johnson, AJ Griffin, and Ayeka Kanwu, what is coming up for them in their future as Hawks have to make a decision. There are other players that are also can play into this, but they're not going to be able to keep everyone. Will one get moved in trade? Will one not be resigned? These are decisions the Hawks have to make. We'll dive into each player and their outlook in the next coming years right here on the pod. And if you're listening to this show on YouTube and you're seeing me right now, you can see my at on the screen, Bricey underscore 2K. For my audio listeners, it's B-R-I-C-E-Y underscore 2K. If you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram and show support and love where I talk about our Atlanta Hawks and Falcons as well, if you're a Falcons fan too, watching the pod. Then also, like I said, if you're watching on YouTube, also don't forget to subscribe and like the video so this can connect and be seen by more Hawks fans. And then if you're also listening to this through audio, Amazon, Google, Apple Podcasts, you know, Spotify, definitely leave a review, leave comments, you know, hopefully good comments, hopefully good reviews. That way we can continue to have this also expand through the audio ranks for other Hawks fans so they can get a tune, a piece of this action and get on the conversation about our beloved Atlanta Hawks coming into the season as the season draws near media day is next week. We have a lot to discuss and we're going to have a very long, maybe very exciting journey coming up this season with this team. But like I said, guys, appreciate you guys letting me be part of your day. And let's just go ahead and get right into it. We got to talk about the big NBA news. We're going to start off with that and then connect it to the Hawks. Damian Lillard traded, traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. That is a trade that a lot of people maybe weren't expecting, especially because we always kept hearing, always kept hearing the heat, the heat, the heat, the heat, the heat. And then for this trade, we pulled off and Milwaukee, a team whose star, Giannis, has put them on the spot on multiple occasions saying, listen, I want to win. If we're not winning, I'm out. To make this kind of a move, this type of blockbuster move is huge. This move, this move has completely maybe shifted the power in the Eastern Conference. A lot of people thought it was Boston, especially after adding, uh, adding Christoph Porzingis. You got a seven-footer. If he could stay healthy, you got Tatum and Brown. You got Derek White. You know, you got, you know, Joe Mazzula in his second year. You know, you, you have Brogdon. You have so much talent. And then you add him, and people are like, okay, the East might run through Boston. Now, with this trade, the East might run through Milwaukee. And, you know, the full details of this trade are Bucks get Damian Lillard. That's pretty much the goal. They ship Drew Holiday to the Blazers, who the Blazers want to move off of. So Drew Holiday is apparently a very uh, wanted uh, asset right now. 
a guy who can still be your starting point guard, a two-way guy, can defend the best player, especially a guard on the other team, and then also can give you 20. Uh, DeAndre Ayton also is a blazer now. He gets a fresh start that he needed. You know, obviously going through what he went through with the Suns, him and Monty Williams not getting along, everything that's happened. You know, him getting the, to the, uh, Portland, giving him a fresh start with uh, Shane Sharp and Simons and uh, Scoop. You know, he gets we get to see what he can do there. They get another player, a first-round pick, and two pick swaps. And then the Suns get Yusuf Nurkic. Obviously, he's been in Portland the last few years, a guy who struggled to stay healthy. Uh, when he's played, he's known as an offensive center can get you some buckets, not really a great defender, uh, but a guy who is a solid center. Grayson Allen, you know, I mean, very controversial player in, in, in basketball in general. But uh, he he's he's now a son. They've added some depth to that bench. Uh, Nas, uh, Nasser Little and uh, Keon Johnson. So Suns get some bench depth with this trade. They actually got better as a result of this as well. So that's the details of the trade, but ultimately the biggest one is the Bucks getting Damian Lillard. And, you know, we, we saw reports online saying that, you know, the agent for the Bucks, I mean, the agent for uh, Damian Lillard, actually, he, he brought out about, listen, he tried to do what they could to get him there. And ultimately Portland just didn't like the offer. They didn't like what the Heat were offering. There may have been a sense of complacency from Miami, believing we can get him whenever we want. He wants to be here. Why do we need to break our backs and give you all these assets to get him to come? And that may have came back to burn Miami. I know a lot of Heat fans on my Twitter, at least, were upset about not getting Damian, especially a guy who has been vocal about wanting to come to Miami and not getting it done. This is one of the few many players who have actually vocally said they're open to joining the Miami Heat and the Heat not being able to pull it off. So I know a lot of people are mad about that on the Heat side of things. Uh, there were Whereas a report that after this trade, since Drew Holiday is available, that could be the next target for the Miami Heat, especially after losing guys like Max Struess and Gabe Vincent. It feels like the Heat have not really improved at all this summer. Um, but, and they, because they were waiting to potentially get the big star, and then that would be their improvement. And now that they don't get Damian Lillard, it'll be interesting to see what the next move Pat Riley pulls out uh, for his squad. And then for the, for the Bucks, like I said, you get the star. Now it feels like you would think a foregone conclusion that Giannis will resign. When Giannis resigned that first time, he basically was like, I need a promise that you're going to make the commitment to make this team great. This time around, he's asking, I need to know this team is great before I even put pen to paper. Now, I don't know if Giannis is going to sign an extension now because of this trade. He may still wait to see how things play out with Damian this year. But uh, you you would think if you're a Milwaukee fan, this definitely increases your chances of being able to keep the Greek freak. And then you still have a pretty solid, just you know, roster. Chris Middleton, I mean, biggest thing for him is health. He was he wasn't healthy last year, that that ruined his rhythm, that ruined his flow. And so one of the big things uh, there will be can Chris Middleton stay healthy this season? If he can stay healthy, that will be big for him. Uh, because he again will be the number three option that they expect to step up of one of the other two doesn't have a great night or injury happens. You know, you still got, you know, Adrian Griffin Jr., the, the father of AJ Griffin. You know, he is the head coach. This is his first year as the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. They just fired Mike Bootenhoser this past offseason. So people are going to be interested to see if 
you know, if these guys are ready to take that next step, are they ready to become that team? Are they ready to, you know, is, is all these moving pieces that has kind of happened in Milwaukee, will it lead to championship success again like it did a few years ago? So that's, that's big for them to be able to make a move like this to, to gain a player of Damian Lillard's stature and big for them and their championship aspirations. So that, that's been the move that everybody's talked about. I mean, a lot of people are pretty much saying the East runs through Milwaukee. But like I said, Boston still has a really strong squad too. And right now those teams seem like the two top East teams in the NBA. That, that, those two by far. Everybody else is just jockeying for position. Um, obviously, you know, injuries can happen, performance can decrease, things like that, and that could completely change the game. But um, it'll be interesting to see how that new duo now works in Milwaukee. Uh, the Suns probably are the favorites in the West, maybe. Uh, I know people weren't enamored with their depth. Now they've added more depth. You still got other guys that were able to, you were able to, from veterans, you were able to scoop up with Bradley Bill, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker. You were able to get eight and off a team, a man who didn't want to be there anymore, how that might help with locker room chemistry and on the court chemistry as well. Um, and you still got a starting center back in return anyway. So, you know, it'll be very interesting within the NBA this year to see how these trades uh, impact these teams on the floor. So now the big question Hawks fans are asking, how does this impact the Hawks? How does this impact the East for them? Well, for me, it doesn't really impact it that much. You knew the Bucks were a team you would have to go through to get there anyway. So that doesn't change. The only thing that changes is that maybe, obviously, two holiday struggles, Middleton's hurt. Okay, you know, you may feel like as a Hawks fan, I mean, if Trey and DeJounte and all of them play well, I mean, why couldn't we compete with them? Now you feel like with the addition of Damian Lillard, okay, like how much harder has it gotten to maybe beat the Milwaukee Bucks? That would be your question. Now, somebody brought this up, and I, and I agree with this. The thing about Drew Holiday is he was great on the defensive end and the offensive end. He wasn't obviously as good as Damian is, but he was a way better defender than Damian Lillard. And he was a guy who they could send after Trey or send after DeJounte to kind of, you know, have a good one-on-one matchup, defensive matchup for them. Damian is not known for his defense. He is known to score. Damian might drop 30. He's a better scorer than Drew Holiday, so he might drop 30. But Damian Lillard also can lit up 32. And that means DeJounte and, and, and Trey could feast on that. Um, don't forget, DeJounte had a huge game against Portland last year. Trey Young has had huge games against Portland. They have traditionally, especially Trey, has had big games against the Portland Trailblazers because of the lack of, of, of defensive guards that they have. So I don't think that actually will change this year for them. I think the biggest thing that will be interesting would be more of just how does, like I said, is is it kind of like a track meet against Milwaukee where it's just who could score the most points? Because, you know, you feel like you got guys like Jalen Johnson, Yeka Kangu, DeAndre Hunter, um, you know, that you can kind of throw or Clint Capella that you can kind of throw at Giannis. Because you know a lot of Hawks fans are very confident in the in the guys they have to defend Giannis. Obviously, it's Giannis, so he's still going to be Giannis. But you got guys that you feel like can take him one on one. It's kind of like that now in the backcourt, where it's like, okay, neither backcourt can really take the other one. So it's just a matter of who just who just makes shots and who doesn't. I mean, that's going to be maybe the big question there. So um, I think in terms of the Hawks, this doesn't impact them as much as people think it impacts them. 
Um, I mean, like I said, you pretty much knew who you would have to go through. It was going to be Boston. It was probably, I mean, Miami technically the last couple of years have been one of the top two Eastern Conference teams. So you would have to assume Miami. And then also, you know, the Bucks. you know, they always have been close to being title contenders the last couple of years. They've had some things go go awry, injuries, things like that. But if they were fully healthy, you, you have to take them seriously. So for me, uh, it doesn't really change too much for them. I mean, the Hawks pretty much know what they got to do. I mean, realistically for this team, I mean, and, and I want to, I don't know, I want to address this, you know, because I, I've seen Hawks fans and some people say like, see what happens when you give up all your assets for a star player because they want to win now. Now you're a championship team. And I want to address that because I, I want to uh, get people to understand that the Hawks are not in the same situation that Milwaukee's in. Milwaukee, before Damian Lillard, was considered a title contender in the Eastern Conference. All they did was now make themselves a more of a favorite, basically more firmly in that maybe that first place spot to get out of the Eastern Conference going into the season. The Hawks in pretty much many, many people's circles are not even top four. You add a guy like Damian Lillard, you know, for the Bucs, that's a big deal. Another team that was potentially interested in Damian Lillard was the Brooklyn Nets. If Damian Lillard went to the Brooklyn Nets, would Brooklyn be a championship team? Probably not. They'd be better. They'd be a way harder team. They would be more competitive. But I don't think they'd be a championship team. And my point is, is that People act like, oh, you know, we got to trade our assets for Siakam. And I'm like, you do realize Siakam isn't like a superstar. Like he's not like even Damian Lillard, it literally would just depend on the team he's going to. And that would impact their championship chances. If you told me the Hawks could get Giannis, then yeah, I would be like, yeah, that makes him a championship contender because Giannis has that type of impact as a player. Pascal Siakam, to me, does not make the Hawks a championship team. Now, obviously, there are so many other factors that can contribute to that, and and so that could make things different. But I don't think the type of player Pascal Siakam is means that we are now a championship roster. And so people want to act like, okay, start trading all your young pieces to to win a championship. And I'm like, well, it depends. Milwaukee feels like they're one player away. A lot of these teams feel like they're one superstar away, you know, and a lot of the time they get the disgruntled superstar to go in their, in, to their team. If, 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 if Giannis or Embiid wasn't available, then yeah, give up some assets. I'm not against that at all. I'm just guys like Siakam, guys like, like those types of tier guys, like they're like, I guess Siakam's like a tier two guy, maybe a tier three, depending on like, I mean, depends on your tier and what, how would you evaluate on, but like, he's not a guy who you bring up you. If, 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 if he went to the bucks, let's say they wasn't even gaming. Let's just say hypothetically, they kept drew holiday and they just swapped Middleton for Siakam. Then you could maybe say that the, the bucks got better and that makes them more of a firmer championship contender. But to me, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're now all of a sudden just like world beaters. You see what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm just saying the impact isn't as great as, you know, them getting Damien. Because I consider Damien a little a better player than Pascal Siakam. And obviously, if you disagree with that, that's completely fine. I am not against your opinion. So I just want to make that clear. 
But I, I just feel like some people are thinking, okay, the Hawks need to do the same thing. And I'm like, well, well tell me someone who's available who, ha- who can make that type of impact on this team. This team isn't one player away from being a championship team unless it's a particular player. It's not like the team is already in championship discussion. And all they got to do is just add one all-star and now they're the favorites. That, that's not where this team is right now. And that's what I need people to understand. They're not there yet. Now, if this season goes well and they end up making strides and improvements and now they're a semifinals, Easter Conference Finals team, shoot. Now you can maybe say making a move like that might get you over the top. But it literally just depends. So I just want to make that clear. And I want to talk about that before we transition here. So now we're going to talk about the young guys. We're going to talk about three players whose futures are all going to be decided in the coming years. One, actually, the way they're set up, one before the other. We're going to talk about Yeka Kong first. Then we're going to talk about Jalen Johnson. And then we're going to talk about AJ Griffin. I, I just want to focus on those three guys. Because those are the guys who you hear mostly in trade talks. When we ever involved in any type of big moves of any superstars. So, for Yeka Okongwu, for, for Mr. Okongwu, I, I feel like he's in the most interesting position out of all three players. Because obviously his contract... Pretty much is they need to make a decision this 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 not this offseason but the next offseason. You know, you're seeing what some centers like him have gone for. I mean, Nas Reed is a contract that some people have looked at as a potential uh framework for Ayaka Kangu's future. Uh Ayaka Kangu, I think, is a guy I've always said. If he just could get more of a bigger role, I think we could truly see what he could become. I mean, we'd all know what he is right now. He means an undersized center. And I know that's been a concern for certain people. Is he too small to play the position? But I've always said he's his lateralness defensively. He People have always figured that he could be a defensive player of the year. And I, and I think he could, for sure. Um, I think that what Quinn Snyder has done will be big for him. He, you know, Yeka kind of added a mid-range shot to his game last year, trying to expand his offensive repertoire. Kind of hit a couple of threes too as well, but really was really effective in the mid-range last year. Now I think he's continuing to work on that and trying to make maybe his three-point shot more reliable, which I think Quinn Schneider wants. He wants a Yeka to kind of be, I don't, I don't want to say they want him to be a strictly a, a stretch five, but like he wants him to basically be able to hurt the defense at all three levels on offense. I think Ayeka, one thing about him is he has great touch of the rim. He's a guy who, you know, if, when you watch Clint Capella, sometimes you feel like it's a struggle to see him get shots up. Ayeka, it seems like there's more, you can tell he's more under control, has more touch uh, with his shots. And a guy who I think if they do decide to move off Clint Capella at some point this year, will truly know, like, okay, what is Ayaka Okongu? I, I just, there, I said, there's no way we can let him walk without ever fully giving him an opportunity. Because I just, I feel like Clint Capella, you know what he is. And so it wouldn't make any sense to stick 
with Clint Capella and not at all give Ayeka that opportunity. Um, I believe that Ayeka Kangu, I've been a fan of his since he's entered the league when we drafted him. And, you know, he's going to go through his growing pains like he's done these last few years. It's just part of the process. No player is perfect. No player will be perfect. But I do think that, you know, he brings so much to the table. And I really was kind of rooting to, for him to get more playing time. I know people are interested to see, is there even a possibility Quinn Snyder would consider maybe closing games with Yeka, maybe giving Yeka more minutes than Clint? Because, um, you know, I, again, I'm, if you're the front office, you kind of want to know, like, with him, like, okay, like, is he worth paying three, four-year extension? Maybe we're talking 15, 16, 17, maybe million a year, uh, maybe even higher than that, potentially. And so I, I, I've, I've always looked at Yekka's game and think he could really be a really good center. And I think he also can re, uh, revitalize the pick and roll for Trey Young and DeJounte. Because Clint, pretty much, you know, like he's driving to the rim. That's all he can do. Or he can do an alley. Yeah, Yekka can do that, but he can also hit the mid-range and maybe even hit a three-point shot. And when you have that, that just puts more pressure on the defense because you don't know what a Yekka is going to do. Because he could score at all three levels. There's not just one level of basketball. He's like, okay, he's going to the rim. Let's go to the rim. It's like, oh, he could stay right here. He could go to the three-point line. And that can open up spacing for Trey Young when he gets into the paint. Because that's why he was so successful in the 2021 playoffs when he burned pick and roll with John Collins. Because, you know, when you pick and roll with John, John could stay at the three-point line and you got to stay on him. Like, at that time, John was hitting the three-point ball like a 38, 39% clip. So he was a proven three-point shooter. And it was like, you could let him go, but, you know, you don't want to give anybody any easy shots. Because if if you try to double-team, he'll just find the open guy. Or if you stay, if, if you try to, you know, stay on your man, Trey could zim, zoom past your guy. And even if your guy, or even if you tried to switch it and the centers tried to stay back, Trey got the floater. And I think with Ayeka, if he was the main pick and roll guy, I think he'd be really effective. And also on defense, like I said, with his defensive versatility, he can guard, you know, even though he's a center and defenses are going to attack him, he can guard positions for five, four, three, and two with me. You know what I'm saying? He can guard multiple positions. And that's something that I feel like in general, the front line of the Hawks have lacked the last couple of years, a guy who can do that. So Ayeka Kongu to me is a guy that I feel like, to me, he's a priority to get back on the team. And, and make your starting center for the future. And then you eventually move off Clint Capella. Like I said, we'll see what the front office decides to do, but that's just me. And then we get to Jalen Johnson. If you've been following me before, this special on my YouTube, I made a video earlier this, this uh, summer about Jalen Johnson's year three, how this could be a really big year for him. He, he, is a guy who you kind of saw it under Quentin Snyder last year. There's a lot of potential there. There's a lot of talent there. There's a lot there to work with. Like, he is a guy who you're like, yo, he could be really good. Really good defender. Powerful guy. Can dunk. I mean, he was basically doing LeBron-like dunks every game. He would get a steal, run out, boom, windmill, uh, you know, tomahawk, whatever. Guy who's a really gifted passer. Um, 
the biggest thing for him he needed last year was just confidence. I felt like Nate McMillan did not instill confidence in him. I mean, just the fact that he was getting inconsistent playing time, play one game, play well, but then didn't play two games after that was just weird. I think especially with some of the issues the Hawks had, you needed more wing help. And the fact that you just kind of were like, we're not playing Jalen was kind of like, okay, you're not going to help out in an area that you know you need to help out in. That was always very uh, questionable to me. So for me, Jalen needs to just need a confidence. And obviously he needs to prove a shot. That is the number one like skill he needs to improve. He's just, just shot making. Not a great three-point shooter at all. If he can get that up to a respectable percentage, that's going to unlock so much for him and make him that much more dangerous. And the more dangerous that Jalen Johnson becomes, the better he'll be. Like, like people really think his ceiling is like star level. And if the Hawks can get a star out of Jalen Johnson, that would be huge. A guy who can run the break, play some point forward. Like I said, block shots. I mean, rebound. Like he could, he could do so much for the team. And his value is so great in that regard. His contract, they really don't have to make any decisions on him maybe to like two, three years. Jalen, I know, is looking forward to this season. Obviously, with them trading John Collins, we don't know if he is the starting four this year. We we don't have any confirmation yet. Maybe we'll get that answer next week at media day. But he he's a guy who... You know, I expect to see a lot of growth and a lot of development within Quinn Schneider's system and with his coaching staff. I think Jalen, to me, will have the biggest jump out of any player on this roster this season. I like I I have very big expectations for him because I I just feel like we saw just a taste of it last year, and so what's going to happen when he gets that investment? And he gets the playing time. What will Jalen Johnson become? Now, listen, still young. He's going to make mistakes. He made mistakes last year. You know, there are certain, there were there were certain situations last year he wasn't ready for. And, and the thing is, that happens because he just didn't have enough experience. Now he'll get, as long as he stays healthy, he'll get close to 82 games, if not all 82 games, to show what he can do. And it all is going to start in practice. It's going to start in camp. I'm, I'm going to be really excited to hear what Quinn Snyder has to say about Jalen next week. I know someone is going to ask that question. And if anybody's going to that that's listening to this, definitely ask him that question. Um, Because I really think Jalen has the potential to be a really big, big-time guy for us. And in terms of him, he's a guy with, with, with the way wings are valued in the league. He's probably a guy, if he ends up reaching the potential that we all think he could potentially reach, seems like a guy you can't let go. You know, like, I mean, it obviously depends on money, but like in in the salary tax and the the ownership and all that, but he seems like a guy that's just like, you got to keep him on the roster. If if anything, you got to keep him. Big, big expectations for Jalen Johnson in year three. And then... Lastly, A.J. Griffin. Now, he's the most interesting guy. When he played more last year under Nate McMillan, right? 
And and that was because they traded Kevin Herter. And don't forget, we had injuries. Bogey was hurt. So, and then, you know, when Trey was hurt, you know, that kind of shifted him to the starter. And then he had the big game against Milwaukee. And then we were like, oh, my God, A.J. Griffin. He had moments of greatness last year. He hit a couple of game-winning shots. Like, there was just like, oh, my God, A.J. Griffin hype. But he also had stretches where he wasn't good. There were stretches that he was struggling. And I know when Quinn came in there, his playing time was very up and down. Uh, kind of like Jalen's was. He wasn't playing a lot. Uh, Quinn said he wanted to go to a nine-man rotation. So that would leave A.J. out of it. I said the biggest issue of AJ is that people say he's a three. I think he's a two. And because of that, you already have DeJounte as your starting two and then Bogey as your next two. So there was really not a lot of playing time there for him. You could make him the backup three, but I just feel like, and maybe that's just more him growing into his body, getting bigger, going through nutrition, going through weight program. But I just feel like he's not the best matchup for threes. Now, you could obviously run him at three. I'm not saying he can't play the position. I'm just saying I don't know if that is his, if you're going to play him, that's where you need to start him. I would rather him start with two, like at two. But, I mean, either way is fine. Big thing for him is just I'm curious to know if AJ AJ gets shaky minutes to start this year, people are going to start asking questions. Is, Is Does Quinn Snyder not like AJ? Does he not think A.J. Griffin is, I guess, a Quinn Snyder guy? Not in terms of if he supports Quinn, but like he fits what he wants to do. You would think he does, but we don't know. And it really could just be because of roster construction. Because you've seen it in the league multiple times. There's just guys who just don't have the, the there's, there's not enough minutes for them to play. And you get the opportunity to show it. And so... I'm very intrigued to see what his role will be this year. I'm I'm really intrigued to know what it is. And, and that's why, to me, in the Siakam trade rumors, you always heard A.J. Griffin's name brought up. He may be the one out of the three guys who is most likely at the moment to be moved or not re-signed. Because... If DeJounte is here for the next few years and Bogey, and let's say they decide to let Bogey finish out his contract, AJ really, I mean, if they trade DeAndre Hunter, that could clearly change things. But again, you would assume if you trade DeAndre Hunter, you're going to get another big starting three wing back for him. So it's not like he'll be a starter all of a sudden. So there is no real clear path for AJ to become a starter here. At best, he will be maybe a six-man if he gets to that point. And obviously, AJ will have to make that decision for himself. Does he want to stay in that role or does he want to start? Now, this again, this is this is based off the current roster construction of this team. If they trade DeJounte Murray and then Bogey, then obviously that changes everything and he'll be a starter. But as of right now, his path is the most questionable he could be the asset that they dangle in maybe a big trade. You you put him in a big trade, potentially. So he'll be interesting. I think AJ is a really talented guy, shot very efficient numbers last year, can shoot the three, can get into the paint, plays very smooth, very smooth player uh, and everything. Also can pass a little bit himself. Uh, 
obviously needs to work on the defensive end, but that just, like I said, is going to come with more development. Again, someone who could very much reap the benefits of a Quinn Schneider development system um, in his pursuit to be a better player overall. You know, so it'll be interesting to see what A.J. Griffin's path is this year and what he ends up being for this team. Because he's the one with the most questionable path. But at the same time, they could definitely play him at backup three, and that's where he gets his minutes. And if so, I mean, I am not at all mad about it, and we'll see what he can do for us. I I, I would, I am definitely in the ballpark because I want A.J. Griffin to get some run and, and show us what he can do. So if we can get that, that would be huge, huge, I think, to get all three of those guys a lot of minutes to really know what we have in all three of those guys. And then, like I said, when the Hawks have to make those decisions, we'll see what they end up deciding to do. So it'll be interesting to see what A.J. Griffin's future prospects look like with this team. But I think we're about to wrap that up here, guys. I appreciate you guys for tuning in again to a Believe in Hawks pod. Like I said, if you're listening on Facebook, on uh, YouTube, don't forget to subscribe, like the video, leave a comment, share it with your friends, let everybody know about this podcast, get all the Hawks fans here so we can have healthy Hawks discussions throughout this season and talk about the journey this team is about to go on. If you're listening to this on any podcast, audio-wise, don't forget to leave a review, leave, leave a rating. Definitely, definitely get it up the boards so we can get more Hawks fans flocking to this. And if you're just an NBA casual fan in general who just loves the game, hope that you uh, enjoyed this and you will come back for another episode for Believe in Hawks by the Believe Podcast Network. Once again, appreciate them for giving me the opportunity and the platform to be able to do this. So, it's your boy Bryce. I'll see you guys next time. Don't forget, next week, Hawks Media Day, we're going to talk about all the things that were talked about in media day and what that could mean leading into training camp and the start of the regular season for this team. Like I said, it's your boy Bryce Lewis. We'll see you next time.